How you doing? It's the most wonderful time of the year. And you think I'm talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm talking about fireworks. <laughs> Is that okay for a pastor to say? I hope so. I just said it. You ready to learn? I don't know if you realize this, but the odds are stacked against you. To really learn is tough. You guys came in the room this morning with so many other things, right? These, these worries, these issues that are, that, that are attached to you, to your mind, to your heart. And here we have a few moments to come before the Lord and open our hearts to him. To, to hear from him so that we can be brought again uh, back to him in a new way. I love this time together. <clears throat> you probably heard me say this before, but it is one of the greatest victories of the enemy to keep you focused on you and your issues. Because to the degree that you remain focused on you and your issues towards your own self-improvement, you will not give your attention to Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the only hope that we have. He is not the source to that hope. He is the hope. We're in a series right now examining the prophetic expectation concerning the coming Messiah, the anointed one. All throughout the Old Testament, the story that we have just spent some time, a good deal of time making our way through, God has been depositing into the story through his people over generations, over hundreds, thousands of years, he has been depositing uh, a message about the identity of his coming son. And so as we come into the Christmas season, what we wanted to do was spend a little bit of time going back through and reviewing the nature of that prophetic expectation. There are three groups in the room. Some of you are already deeply, desperately in love with Jesus. And for you, this will be a time where your heart is just enlivened again because you love him. For some of you, you're committed. You don't necessarily always feel that, that draw and that urge. And I want to pull your heart in the right direction because he alone can satisfy. And some of you are sitting here thinking you're very much right here and you're considering, and I want you to know that no matter what your doubts or your questions, you're welcome to be here. And to you, I want you in your own thoughts about the possibility that maybe Jesus is in fact who he said he is. I want you to be able to take a couple more steps of confidence in your faith and movement towards Jesus. So we said this the last two weeks, 
three goals for this series, to increase your confidence and awe in the redemptive plan of God throughout history. The God of Genesis is, is, is the God of the New Testament, is the God of Revelation, is the God of heaven. He's weaving his story. Secondly, to increase your appreciation for the story surrounding the coming of the Son of God. As we jump into in December, we're going to look at Advent, the coming of the Son of God, and you're going to hopefully better understand why everyone wrestled to, to come to terms with who he is and who he was. And then thirdly, to increase your expectations surrounding Christ and his purpose, to enlarge our understanding of who Jesus is and our expectation uh, of our experience of him. Ready? Now are you ready? You really ready? So much to sort through in, in pulling away all the layers and coming to Jesus, just Jesus, for who he truly is. All of your histories, all of your past wounds, all of your baggage, all of your religious misinformation, all of your secular misinformation, to strip it all away and to come through the word of God enabled by his spirit and get to know Jesus for who Jesus truly is. It's something that happens in normal relationships. My wife and I celebrated 25 years of marriage this week. And we're learning to be um, more honest and true with each other. And I love that most of the time. <laughs> we were driving to Anchorage recently. And I did what I've done since I was a child. So we came into Cooper Landing. From my driver's side, I saw sheep on the mountains. And I said to my wife, as I've said probably a thousand times, hey, look, there's some sheep on the mountains. <laughs> and my wife said, honey, I gotta be honest with you. I know this is the first time I've told you this. I don't care about sheep. <laughs> and by God's grace, I'm learning to accept that. <laughs> for the sake of knowing my wife for who she truly is. She then said, I've never cared about sheep, which I felt like was a little bit of a dig, but whatever. <laughs> it's something about being in the passenger seat and having to put your head between your legs and twist your body to look up. <laughs> As we come to a greater knowledge and appreciation of who Jesus truly is, you're going to find yourself in some uncomfortable situations. Oh no, I didn't realize that. I've always thought this, and now this. Embrace it. John 5.39, you examine the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is those very scriptures that testify about me. All of the story, all of the prophetic expectation pointing towards Christ. Now, you guys remember the mountain range, if you were here two weeks ago? Do we have the? Oh, there it is. And we had a little argument. Just kidding. 
This is one of the challenges, and I just want to remind you this again because it's relevant again today, that in prophecy, we're, we're seeing something from a great distance, and yet what we're looking at from a great distance, there is also distance within. So as you look at the different mountain peaks, right, some of those mountain peaks are actually closer to the, the location where the photograph is taken than the farthest mountain peaks are away from there. And so in prophetic expectation, what, what, what we find, and this is some of the confusion that has to get sorted through, is that there is the, all of the prophetic expectation concerning Christ has not yet been fulfilled. Some of it is still being fulfilled. And yet the prophets from very long ago looked ahead and they saw the plan of God, not realizing maybe at sometimes that there is great distance between these different parts of fulfillment. And so they're trying to describe what they see. On week one, I talked about the perfect king, the, predic, uh, the prophetic expectation of a perfect king who will rule over a perfect kingdom. And this is one of the things I love about the prophecies concerning the anointed one, is that, is that the, the goodness, the righteousness, the perfection is not just located in the person who is the fulfillment of that pros- prophecy, it is found in the environment uh, that that one creates. So in other words, not only will there be a perfect king, but he will bring into existence a perfect kingdom, a kingdom of goodness and righteousness. Last week, Matthew talked about the priesthood as a prophetic uh, look ahead at the anointed one, the coming son of God. Uh, A perfect priest will mediate atonement towards making a perfect people, a righteous people. Today, we're going to look at the third component, and that is there is coming, and again, this is from Old Testament vantage point, there is coming a prophet, a more perfect prophet who will speak a perfect word, who will provide a perfect message that describes God's perfect plan. So now here's the deal, and this is where our little mountain range comes in. Uh, This is where it's fairly important. The sequence matters. Jesus first arrives as a prophet. A prophet is someone who just speaks and says, this is the message of God. He then becomes our high priest, and he will become our king. Do you understand that if he shows up as king, before he shows up as priest and prophet, we got a problem. If he shows up as king, and your evil, your sin has not been addressed, has not been dealt with, we have a problem. If he shows up just as priest and king, who, how will we know? How would we understand? So the sequence here is important. He shows up as prophet to tell, to communicate the message from the Lord. And then he shows up as priest to bring us, to make a way for us to respond to that message and go to the Lord. And then he will eventually, someday, and we look forward to this day, come as king. Uh, He is king in part now. He reigns from heaven, and yet 
there are many things taking place currently in our environment that are contrary to his will. He will bring everything in accordance with his perfect will at some future time and establish his kingdom on the earth. And the only reason we get to be a part of it is because he came first as prophet and then as priest and finally as king. The prophet makes known, the priest makes a way, and the king makes a home. So, now, you can understand why there was some confusion about the Messiah's identity. He kind of looks like a prophet from here. Mm, he kind of looks like a priest to me. That's weird. He looks like a king from my vantage point. But riding on a donkey. I'm not sure about that. And yet all of these different revelations are revealing different aspects of one man's purpose, the Messiah, the anointed one, carried out over time. They're all talking about the same person. The prophet came, the priest now intercedes on our behalf, and the king is returning. Prior kings fell into corruption. We need a righteous king. Prior priests fell into corruption. We need a righteous priest. Prior prophets. It's kind of a mixed bag. We had some pretty good ones. Moses, the prophet, speaking to the pe people. This is the message of God. Do you remember the story? Samuel, the prophet. Nathan, the prophet. And then you get into the later part of the Old Covenant. And it seems like the whole storyline is basically lost, save a line of prophets that in obedience to God continue to tell the people the truth at great cost to themselves. Remember Elijah and Elisha telling the truth about God, suffering great persecution as a result. And then you get into Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel and Daniel, and I'm a pastor, so I know all the rest of them, but just give me a second. <laughs> all of them with a message about God. Not only a message about now, but what God will do. I don't know if you remember this, the story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 18. We talked about this story where he brings, you remember this, where he, he says, I want, I want to get the advice of the prophets. And he brings four, Ahab brings 400 prophets to him. And they all say, yeah, it's going to be great. You should do what you're going to do. And Jehoshaphat says, don't you have like a real prophet around? And he says, well, we have one real prophet, but he's kind of annoying. Because he always tells the truth. I hate the truth. So they bring the real prophet, prophet tells the truth, and Ahab says, this is why I don't like you. You always refuse to go along with the status quo with the crowd. And yet, buried in, there it is. You can go and find it through all of the storyline, through all of the narrative, through all of the different voices over many generations. There is an expectation of a coming prophet a more perfect prophet who will give a more perfect message about God's perfect plan for humanity. 
Listen to this. This is in Deuteronomy 18. This is way back at the beginning of the story. This is Moses speaking. The Lord your God shall raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen, and to him you shall listen. This is in accordance with everything that you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Do not let me hear the voice of the Lord my God again, and do not let me see this great fire anymore, or I will die. They encountered the presence of God while still in their sin and said, This is not good. And the Lord said to me, you, they have spoken well. I will raise up for them a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them everything that I command him. A perfect message, a perfect word. Remember uh, Jonah, the prophet? He'll kind of share some of what I tell him maybe, Right? And it shall come about that whoever does not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will require it of him. It shall be upon him. In other words, I'm going to send a prophet, a more perfect prophet, to speak a more perfect word. And everyone must listen to him because he is going to tell the world everything that God wants to communicate to the world. And if you don't listen to that prophet, then there's no other hope for you. So as you can imagine, if you've grown up in this heritage, in Jewish heritage, in the tradition, what are you looking for? Well, if you've been paying attention, you're looking for that prophet. John 1.21, they asked John the Baptist, so you're interesting. You seem to have a message from God. Um, are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. And they said, are you, are you the prophet? The prophet. Not a prophet. The prophet. And what does John the Baptist say? Nope. I'm not him. Just a few verses later, John 1.45, Philip finds Nathanael and he says to him, we have found him of whom Moses wrote in the law and all the prophets also wrote about Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Philip believes that he has found not a prophet, the prophet. In fact, later on in, in Acts, Acts chapter 3, Peter preaches a message, and in Acts chapter 7, Stephen preaches a message, and they both say the same thing. They say, Moses told you about the coming prophet, and our forefathers rejected Moses, and you have rejected the prophet, Jesus. Hebrews 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son. God, who has been speaking throughout history, through his, through his, his mouthpieces, 
In these days, he has spoken to us in his son. And what did he say to Moses? And whoever rejects that message, there's no hope for that person. Okay, so I realize I've abandoned my typical structure, point one, point two, point three. I'm being a bit linear. Are you still with me? Be tracking with me? So, the anointed one will be king. We know that, right? That was the prophecy given to David. His kingdom will be established forever. He will destroy pain and evil. He will establish a good, righteous kingdom on the earth. Okay, that's number one. The anointed one will be a high priest. He will forever make us right and acceptable before God. He will make a way for us to God. And thirdly, the anointed one will be a prophet who will deliver a message. So, towards the goal of increasing your understanding of and expectation of Jesus, what is the message? What was his message? That would seem like a fairly big part of this whole thing that we're doing this morning, right? And this, to me, is where we start to move into the profound mystery that is the Son of God, God in the flesh. What's the message? John 1.18. No one has seen God at any time. God, the only Son, who is in the arms of the Father, he has explained him. He has described him. John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? John 18, verse 37, Therefore Pilate said to him, Do you remember this exchange? Pilate, the governor, Jesus, the accused criminal. Pilate says to him, So you're a king. And Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this purpose I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said, What is truth? Not realizing that the message of God in the Son of God, is the Son of God. He is the message. Jesus is the message, the Word of God to us. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. Jesus Christ is the message. Jesus is the perfect message from God. His life, his personhood, his ministry. It is the perfect message from God, about God, showing us the way to God. John 14, 
John 5.39, again, you examine the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. If I can just perfectly understand all of the commandments and abide by them exactly, that will lead me into eternal life. And it is those very scriptures that were actually pointing you to me, a person, Jesus Christ. What's the summary commandment? In one word, what's the summary commandment? Someone's got to say it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. What is the one command that summarizes all of the commands of God? What is the one commandment that summarizes all of the messages of all of the prophets? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So God has been communicating throughout history. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because I am a God of love. And here's where we get to the hard part. Why did we find that message so difficult to accept? Were we not created to give and receive love? Are we not, by nature of the fact uh, that we are created in the image of God, were we not made to give and receive love? Is it not the very fundamental, foundational longing of the human heart to give and receive love? Why was his message, the message of his life, his personhood, and his ministry so difficult to accept? Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We get hung up because the message of the person and ministry of Jesus is the message of the cross. God says, I'm going to give you a perfect word. I'm going to show you in the flesh what love looks like. And he sends his son, and his son goes to the cross. And he says, I am the way. If you want to... If you, if you want to know the way to God, I am the way. I'm showing you the way. Take up your cross and follow. The cross is the message. If the, if the summary command, if the summary message from God is love, and the cross is given to us as the, as the explanation of what love looks like, the cross is the message. Listen to this. This is Paul, 1 Corinthians 1, 23, 24. We preach Christ crucified. That's our message. That's what Paul says. We preach Christ crucified. That's the message. That's the message. 
to Jews a stumbling block. That's not the Messiah that we want. We want a Messiah that kicks some political butt. We want a Messiah that comes in with a wrecking ball and sets us free from our political bondage. We preach Christ crucified. To Jews, it's a stumbling block. And to Gentiles, it's just foolishness. It's, it's so stupid. It's so insignificant. And yet to those who are called, whether they're Jews or Greeks, Christ crucified is Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. He then goes on, just a couple of verses later, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Chris, you guys can go ahead and come up. Even his closest friends. And looking for the fulfillment of all of that prophecy, just could not reconcile a crucified Savior. Yes, I want the message. Yes, we need the priest. Yes, I want the king. But this doesn't make sense. And I would say it's no different today. What have you added to Christ crucified? What have you added to Christ crucified and then made that into what the Christian life is about? Paul says, I made it a determination when among you to have no clever ideas, no smart comments, no insight beyond this, Christ and him crucified, the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is my very, very simple invitation to you. Start there. Because Everything else in the Christian life starts there. Christ and him crucified. What is it that you're up against? I'll tell you what is, where to start. Christ and him crucified, the power of God and the wisdom of God. What does it mean for my life? You know, we're right in the throes of all of these like tumultuous cultural in some cases a cold war and in other cases an all out war right you take an issue like human sexuality human gender and sexuality and there's there's all of this this intensity and and rage and and a variety of, of, of pieces of input 
on that, then you should be informed. If you want to understand human sexuality, do you know where you start? Christ crucified. Because you can't build any proper theology of the Christian life with any other starting point. In fact, the apostles said that's the whole message. That's self-sacrificing love of God. Who gave his life on the cross. That's it. There it is. He gave away the whole thing. The mystery hidden for generations. Christ and him crucified. I don't know what your devotional time looks like. I don't know what current challenges you face. I don't know what inward battles have you by the throat. You don't have the power and you don't have the wisdom. Could I invite you again today to go after Christ? Because there you will find the power of God and the wisdom of God. Can I get an amen? Let's stand together. We're going to spend a little bit of time in worship, which is your opportunity to allow your heart to be opened, something that music does. Allow your heart to be open to him so that you can respond to him. Uh, you can take communion. Communion is Christ crucified. His body, his blood, broken, poured out for us so that we could have life. You can give during this time. I'll have prayer. Uh, team uh, ministry members over here to the side. If you have any requests of any kind, they would love to pray with you. If you want to just have them pray uh, with you, that you would be able to pursue Christ with greater fervor and less distraction, go do that and let them pray for the power of God over your life. Let's worship together. Amen. Thanks, worship team. The Lord's moving on your heart. Uh, the worship team is going to hang out for, or the prayer team is going to hang out for a little bit extra, uh, and you can go find them after the service. They'd love to uh, pray with you. Um, I feel like uh, maybe there's some of you here uh, during the message, maybe even in worship, the Lord's moving on your heart. You feel like there's something happening, and maybe you can't even put words to it. Um, if that's you, I want to invite you to come uh, connect with me after the service or any of the staff, or um, if you have someone else you want to connect with about that, to um, take the moment, respond to what the Lord's doing. Uh, in your heart. Um, if you don't know where your next meal is coming from, uh, come talk to us, any of the staff. We have something for you that we would love to help. Um, tonight, we have a Women's Chapel, 6.30 p.m. at the Rock office. It's for uh, women, sixth grade and above. Um, it's going to be a good time of connection uh, together. Uh, and we don't officially, oh, last thing I want to say actually is AVM and ABI, um, Andy and Eric will be kind of hanging over here near the table. Um, if there's something you're thinking, if you have questions, you want to get connected, uh, go connect with them after the service. They're here for that for you. 
Um, so take that opportunity, you can sign up. Uh, you can take a look at the schedule if you want to be connected in any way there. Um, Dennis also will be around in the area as well uh, for a little bit, I'm sure, uh, if you want to connect with him about radio. So uh, God bless you guys as you head into your week. We don't officially end at 1230, so hang out for a few. Help uh, pick some stuff up and connect with somebody. Bless you guys.